Hey friends, welcome back to the No Wrong Turns podcast. Thanks for joining us. I am your host, Audrey Lee Hickman Hunter. The No Wrong Turns podcast talks to people about their story and their passions. It aims to see how their passions have evolved and grown throughout their story. Hey friends, how have you been doing? These past few weeks, I've just really been trying to soak up the last couple weeks of summer that we have here in Chicago. Going for walks, getting uh, my favorite Italian ice, not really so much an ice cream lover in the summer, and just really being able to go outside and just really enjoy the sun because I know it's going to go away soon come winter slash fall. listeners, I wanted to thank you so much for giving the No Wrong Turns pod a listen. Can you consider helping me out and leaving a rating and review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, basically wherever you're listening to this podcast? By you leaving this rating and review, this helps other people who are interested in similar shows to be able to see that you're liking this podcast when they're searching the app. Thank you so much in advance. Listeners, welcome to our 20th episode. Today on the podcast, we have my friend Angela Blocker. I met Angela during our freshman year of college at Moody Bible Institute in good old Spokane, Washington. Angela was born out on the East Coast, and then her family moved to the Chicagoland area when she was in early elementary school age, and Angela grew up in Chicagoland. In this episode, Angela will share about how she discovered her passion of counseling, beginning with her passion for missions, which grew into her choosing her first college major of missionary aviation. On this episode, Angela will share with us how she changed her college major to find a better major to encapsulate her passions. You are for sure going to want to lean in and not miss hearing about how Angela grew and developed her passion for loving and listening to people to make a career out of doing just that. No matter if this is your story and you can relate to her or not, I believe that there is something in this episode for you. All right, here's my conversation with Angela. Welcome to the No Wrong Turns podcast. Today on the podcast, we have Angela Blocker. Hey, Angela. Hey, Audrey. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderfully. How are you? Awesome. Thank you so much for being willing to be on the podcast and share your story and share your passion with us today. It's wonderful to be here. Can you introduce yourself to the listeners? Tell them a little bit about who you are, where you're from, any anything that you think the listener highlights you want to share, uh, maybe a fun fact or two about yourself? Sure. My name is Angela Blocker, and I was born in Connecticut, and I was raised in Illinois. I grew up one of five kids uh, to a pastor and his uh, his wife. So there's seven of us total. And so I grew up in a town called Flossmore. As in, you need to brush your teeth in Flossmore, <laughs> which is kind of fun. And I have gone through lots of changes in my life journey. And I'm excited to share that with you guys today. Awesome. Do you have any fun facts you could share with us? 
or any hobbies that you like? Let's see. Fun fact. I love to do crossword puzzles. Like that is my Ooh. one of my favorite things to do. Like the, the handwritten movie. kind from the newspaper? Yes, like the handwritten. Like I have a book that is and you know I don't even have to finish the crossword puzzle I can just skip to and do more of them and then come back later I love puzzles and so that's true so I have so I love doing crossword puzzles and I love watching Wheel of Fortune and it is my all right grandma yeah I I am I am so I I think I grew up watching it with um, a lady at my church who used to be into Jeopardy and I like I can't remember if Jeopardy was before or after Wheel of Fortune but when she was done with Jeopardy because I never knew the answers to Jeopardy I would sit and watch Wheel of Fortune and trying to guess the words was like my favorite thing and so anything that's like word puzzly of any kind is something that I guess takes the cake for me I love I love things like that so well, I'm so fun <laughs> That's awesome. So you mentioned that you were born in Connecticut and you grew up in um, Illinois. So can you kind of walk us through of how you got to, from Connecticut to Illinois and then just tell us a little bit more about what your life was like growing up and any highlights you have from your childhood? Yeah, so my family was in ministry. And so we moved from Connecticut to Illinois when my dad started pursuing seminary. He felt the Lord leading him to switch roles from an IT uh, IT empl- employment to uh, ministry. And so uh, we moved when I was fairly young, very, very young, um, before, before school starting. And I spent the majority of my life in Chicago, Illinois. And so my family was always involved with helping and serving other people. That was something that was very, very important. And Mm -hmm. there were lots of times, even as a kid, we would do, we would do service projects or we would be spending a lot of time visiting other families, like praying for them and encouraging them. And uh, I think that's something that has uh, kind of always been a part of my, of my life, just, um, sharing the love of Christ with everyone and in, in addition to having fun I think those were two two things that kind of categorized my my growing up we moved oh go ahead I was going to ask if you were in any sports or um like kind of like clubs growing up uh yeah um <laughs> yeah I did uh business club and student council <laughs> and French club and Spanish club and multicultural club and gymnastics and cheerleading and I think that's it oh and peer mediation so wow, that is a full schedule yes it was quite a full schedule so I loved I loved to be involved in lots of different activities and I loved to learn new lots of new things and I felt like the way to do that was just to do lots of different clubs so Peer med- awesome. Actually, uh, yeah, well, I can share this a little, <laughs> a little later. Uh, yeah, so I was involved in lots of different clubs. Cool. So you grew up as a pastor's kid, and so you were at church a lot, probably, yes. Yes. Like you were mentioned. And when you, so when you were in high school, what were you, you were you in all of those clubs or just a few of them that you just sure. mentioned? or? In high school, I was I was in a lot of 
I was in a lot of clubs, not as not all of the ones that I had talked about. I was I did gymnastics pretty consistently. I did beach and debate and business club and student council in high school. And I did multicultural club and French club in high school. So I was I was pretty pretty busy. In addition to um, at that time. I guess my, my dad had been a pastor for about eight or nine years at that point. And so there was an eight o'clock service at church and then a 11 o'clock service and a three thirty service. So we were, oh my gosh, the whole day. <laughs> yeah. There was so much, so much going on all the time, all the time. So it was really, it was a really exciting, exciting time. And I think I was so interested in just like the high school experience that I wasn't I was kind of looking forward toward to college but I was I don't know I just I loved I loved my high school my high school years a lot so oh that's awesome to hear when you so when you were in high school were you when you were thinking about college or trying not to think about it because you loved high school so much what were you were you thinking about after you finished high school that you were did you know you were going to go to college did you know where you wanted to go? Did you have an idea of what you wanted to major in at that point? Not at that time. I was, I knew that I had to go to college. I didn't know where I wanted to go. In fact, I, I went to a pretty rigorous high school and I thought that because I didn't get a certain GPA or that I didn't score a certain a certain number on the SATs or ACTs that I could not go to certain schools. And I, I just, I didn't, I just didn't know what the Lord was leading me to. I knew that I loved people and I knew that I, I think I was interested in architecture at that time. And so, and I was, I was interested in missions as well when I think it was, maybe late spring of my senior year. It was, it was pretty late in the game. Uh-huh. And my parents are kind of like, Angela, what are you going to do? And like, I don't, I don't know. Great like, question, guys. <laughs> and I, I think I sent, I sent out one college application, which was to Moody Bible Institute, just one. And then I think I had a, oh, I was also really interested in the Marines because they had an aviation program. And so I was, I was, thinking like, you know, I want to do something that where you can travel, where you can experience a lot of different cultures in the world. And because I was, I was exposed to that a lot growing up, lots of different cultures. And so I was drawn to aviation because of that. And I was heavily influenced by Jim and Elizabeth Elliot and their story. And so following Christ was, was important. And then doing something that um, allowed me to travel at that time was important. So I sent out one college application to good old Moody Bible Institute and where Audrey and I met. Yeah. <laughs> and this was the this was the Spokane campus because they had um, at that time when the Spokane campus was open, they had in it the a- aviation program there. Mm-hmm. So I was really concerned about, you know, most my my GPA, because my GPA was not as being involved in so many activities. There was my my GPA wasn't um what you would want to send out your your application um with it was not it was not 
it was decent, but it wasn't a very strong GPA. I was about to say, Angela, I think you're being <laughs> modest because <I'm> <laughs> I, as, a, as your friend, I know that you're very smart. So I doubt that it was bad. <laughs> it was not as high as I would have wanted it to be. And so I was dealing with um, feelings of like shame and defeat, just thinking that I knew I could have worked better and harder academically in high school. And I did not. So I, I entered, um, I did get accepted to Moody by Institute of the Aviation Program. And I moved to Spokane, Washington. And, and I felt like this was my chance to sort of get everything right, so to speak, in terms of my my grades. And so I entered the aviation program. And I stayed in the aviation program for uh, a grand total of one year and let's preface this by saying that that first year we're only taking bible classes so the aviation part truly hadn't been done but it sounded so cool when you said it (laughs) thanks Audrey for clarifying yes so the the aviation program was a five-year program that consists of one year of bible um one year of airframe and power plant or actually one year of each airframe and power plant and then you have a year of flight after that so it's five five years in total I think that's for two of each two years yeah two in between their airframe and power plant and so I remember the end of the first year thinking like I loved what I was learning we had a lot of missions classes because it was mm-hmm. just Bible classes and I loved like I love studying God's word and I learned I loved hearing about the plan that he had for the nations and it was the year was coming to a close and all of colleagues in the aviation program started looking at tools <laughs> like craftsman and step on and they were talking about their toolboxes and um, yeah they were i went with a few of my fellow aviation friends to i can't remember if it was a lowe's or a i can't remember what store mechanic store it was but they were they were they were choosing, Audrey's laughing at this, <laughs> they were choosing their tools, and um, I was the only, I was one of the only girls, there were two girls total in that, in that program at that time, and when I wanted a Hello Kitty, you know, pink, huge toolbox, I was realizing that this was not where the Lord was leading me. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up, because I was gonna uh, pop that fun fact in there, too. <laughs> Uh, I remember our group of friends, you were telling us, you were like, yeah, so there's like red or black or whatever, but I'm going to get it pink or like, I'll just paint it. It's no big deal. Yes, exactly. Which if there are girls out there in the audience who are interested in pursuing an aviation career and you would like to have a pink toolbox, more power to you. For me, it was knowing that my passions didn't align with what I was currently pursuing. So I switched to, well, actually before I I switched, I sat down with um, a, I sat down with my mentor at the time, Wendy Liddell. Do you remember Wendy? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she said she was a, an excellent administrator at Moody Spokane. And she sat down with me and she said, Angela, it seems like you really love working with people and you really love cultures. We're getting these new programs to Moody Spokane. Have you thought about intercultural studies and intercultural ministries? And at that time, I had taken my first psychology class and was loving it. And she said, you can get an interdisciplinary in psychology. And I was, I didn't, I didn't know that I had 
other options at that time because this, the campus only had two other uh, two majors at that time. So I I was I was completely overjoyed and I felt like this is this was more in more alignment of where uh, was in more alignment with the gifts that I felt that the Lord had given me at the time, working directly with people, like sharing my faith and loving people where they were. Uh, so learning about their cultures, learning about the things that interest in them and learning how to live in a different context. So mm-hmm. that was when I switched my major from missionary aviation technology to intercultural ministries interdisciplinary. So that was my sophomore year of college. And after that, I went on a an extended missions trip to India, and that sort of confirmed my love for missions. And I spent a summer there and lived with a variety of different people who like expressed the love that they had for Christ in different ways and learned a lot from the missionaries that were there, how to care for people well, even when crazy circumstances are happening. I remember there was a, a huge monsoon that came in and everything completely flooded and the missionaries that I was staying with were not able to get to the store. And this woman, this, this woman who they had been on the field maybe like five years and she just, she whipped up this huge meal of like chicken fettuccine Alfredo. And I didn't know where it came from, but I just remember thinking that <laughs> that she just had such a servant's heart and I admired her a lot for that. So living living in India for a little bit and then uh, coming back to the States. So was that after your sophomore year then? Yes, this was okay. in uh, 2011. So I, I'm sorry, this was the this was the year in between sophomore and junior year. Okay, mm-hmm. perfect. Just want to make sure on the timeline there. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. So I, I came back and I... I felt like the Lord was giving me a passion more for um, for people and how to serve people well. And I continued to take psychology classes because uh, at that time I started, I, I, I sat down with my mentor again and she, she pointed me towards schools that, Christian schools that offered psychology as a master's degree. And I was living away from home at, at that time. I was in Spokane, Washington, and I was kind of thinking that I didn't want to go away to school again mm-hmm. because it, it had been a while. So I, I applied to I applied to school to yeah, I applied to my master's program and didn't think that I would get accepted because I didn't know I had I had psychology classes, but I just I didn't know if that really was what I was passionate about. I knew that I knew that I liked helping people and well let me let me back up a second mm-hmm. to say that the experience that I had in India would have solidified my love for, for missions and also my love for people. And I felt like as believers, we have a job to be his hands and feet. And I didn't know how exactly that matched with my love for psychology at that time. Mm-hmm. I believe that we were fearfully and wonderfully made, but that did not seem to go together at all with missions whatsoever. <laughs> so so I, I still had this sort of running question in the back of my, my mind. And I took more classes and I just felt like I was running into obstacle after obstacle because Moody Spokane is a very, was a very small, small school. And a lot of the classes that I needed for my master's degree were not offered. And 
I like prerequisite classes. Yes, like prerequisite classes. You needed a basically the equivalent of of a minor in psychology. And Mm -hmm. Moody Bible Institute did not offer a minor in psychology. I don't think I still don't think they do. I think they just they have pre counseling, but they especially not at this kind uh campus so yeah so I was applying and I was sort of creating I had a professor at the time who really sat me down and was like Angela if you want to do this like let's do this and I was like okay I don't know if I want to do this really but I'm going to try it I'm going to go for it and uh we started creating he helped me like this this teacher there was one psychology professor at Moody Spokane Dr. Hamilton and he helped me put together the syllabuses that I needed that matched matched the syllabi uh, that was required for the prerequisites for the school, and I didn't I didn't think anything was going to come of it to be honest with you. So eleven, uh, yeah, my eleventh grade <laughs> junior year, junior year of college was filled with applying to different applying to um, school and to graduate school and just sort of, I, I don't know, I just, I just felt like it was a whirlwind of a year because in order to take all the classes that I needed, I needed to take between like 15 and 20 credits a semester, 21 credits a semester. And so I was very overwhelmed wow. and still questioning what the Lord was leading me to do. And I felt like I was investing all this time, not knowing what was going to come from it. And my senior year was was a lot more relaxed. I basically was just taking classes that I, I think classes that I missed because I was in the aviation program the first year, so it was a lot slower. And I, to be honest with you, Audrey, I did not think I was going to get into graduate school. I, I knew I, you would. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, what did you think? No way. (laughs) Did you did you think it was for grades or just for like the the route that you were taking to get there? Yeah, I I think that I think it was the route more of the route. I knew that Mm -hmm. I had pretty good grades. At the same time, I just thought that you know I'm coming from this small school into this bigger school that's like more well known, and I just. I, th- I think I had a little bit of an imposter syndrome too. Like it was something that I didn't deserve. It was kind of, you know how I feel like sometimes the enemy will sort of like lie to you in so many different ways. Yeah. <laughs> like you aren't, you aren't good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not, the Lord hasn't, hasn't given you everything that you need, that he's not, the, he's not directing your path, that you, even, even things like you are, doing this for for selfish reasons like there's no way that the lord can use this or you've jumped around in so many different areas how do you know this is the one and so i think i spent a lot of time that year going through going through the bible and looking at the names of god and so i was reading through the bible for a year that 12th grade year that senior year <laughs> because I'm, i keep saying 12th grade because i work at a high school now and so anyway anyway so <laughs> yeah so my senior year, i was going through the bible and i was reading uh, reading through it and I wanted to look up all the names for God because I just felt like I didn't have a strong grasp of who he was because I felt like I was just being inundated by lies by the enemy and so mm-hmm. I wanted to find truth kind of in who uh, who God is and I think the one of the ones that really stood out to me more than anything was the story of well two stories actually but I think when uh, 
Ishmael's mom. Um, Ish- Ishmael's mom, Hagar, was in the desert and she has been bitterly treated by Sarah. And so she goes off and uh, she gives she she gives the name Ishmael um, to she learn she learns that God is the one who sees. And so that was a huge comfort to me. And after that, so I'm sorry, let me stop. Just mm-hmm. X that whole that whole thing. Okay. <laughs> X the whole thing out. Okay. Do, do you want to say something like um, one of the one of the store like one of the names of God that really resonated with me came from this story or something like that? Yes, that sounds good. Okay, go for it. <laughs> so one one Bible story that really resonated with me is the one that talks about how God is the God who sees, and this comes from Ishmael and Hagar when Hagar is in the desert after Sarah has treated her so bitterly and she is sent out into the desert and she has no water and she puts her son away because she doesn't want to watch him die and the Lord comes to her and tells her that you know she's going to be blessed and her children are going to be blessed and that was a real encouragement to me to know that the Lord is someone who sees and so even when we don't understand Mm -hmm. why circumstances are happening a certain way that we can trust his direction because he sees even when we don't and so that was that encouraged me against all of the lies that I I was experiencing at the time and so I entered I guess I sort of woke up each day sort of holding holding on to that truth and yeah. on on the best days anyway I will mm-hmm. say <laughs> it was not perfect <laughs> Listeners, this week our sponsor is a new podcast called Curate Curiosity. I have to admit that I'm a little bit biased about this sponsor because the host is my husband, Dietrich. Curate Curiosity is a podcast built on the idea that strong community comes from exploring and experiencing life together. Curate Curiosity's motto is to know your city, see the world, and let the world see you. Check out episode zero, where it describes the foundation of the podcast. Dietrich explains the purpose of this podcast, what type of content you listeners can expect, and where you can look for future episodes. If you are listening to this episode on the day it comes out, then you'll be able to go over and check out Curate Curiosity's feed for their first ever episode. To find out more about Curate Curiosity, go give them a follow over on Instagram at curate.curiosity. That is at C-U-R-A-T-E dot c-u-r-i-o-s-i-t-y thanks for sponsoring the pod when the end of senior year came I still hadn't heard anything from the school and so I said well I think I'm going to move to Texas because my parents had moved to Texas at that point they had been there maybe six weeks or something not very long (laughs) they had moved in so Chicago of course had become my home and I didn't want to go back there when they weren't there because living away from from my family was just really challenging for me and so I was thinking okay haven't heard from the school I'm just going to move to Texas and I had a I had gotten an apartment and I had applied for a job at Olive Garden, believe it or not. And I was getting ready to move down there. And I think 
this this must have been in this was in July this was in July because I stayed the summer in Spokane and I called my mom and I said hey mom you know I'm gonna move down to Texas and she was like I think you should I think you should wait I think you should wait on the Lord a little bit and so I think like two weeks later, I got an acceptance letter and I was like, what am I supposed to do with this? This was not supposed to happen. So I went to grad school and I had applied for the field of uh, marriage and family therapy. Mm -hmm. And so this is a form of psychology that looks at, that combines the principles of cultural anthropology and structural engineering. And then those principles are applied to psychology. So it's not just working with marriages and families is learning how to work with people in their context. And so I was drawn to that because of my intercultural background. So I got the acceptance letter and I was excited and extremely nervous because I didn't know what that was going to look like. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know what it would be like to live back in a place where I had moved from four years before. And, and I didn't really know I didn't know how the Lord could use psychology either. There's still a huge stigma with mental health and uh, Christianity, and it's hard to know how those two go together and do not go together. And so I was still wrestling with that a little bit too. And I, I was like, Lord, I really need some encouragement here. I need you to show me that this is, this is, this is you, this is your way. And I, got to campus in that August so this was July August and so was that the August right after your senior year of college then yes right after. okay I went straight from from undergrad to grad school which I recommend for the brave of heart only <laughs> I don't know <laughs> looking back I'm not sure I would do, I would do it the same way actually I, prob- I probably wouldn't do it the same way and and that's just because the workload was was pretty intense and uh, my I was looking for roommates and one of the girls who had applied had gone to school at Whitworth and Whitworth, as you know, Audrey, um, but others may not, Whitworth is a school that was maybe two or three miles away from Moody Spokane in Washington. Mm-hmm. And so that was, that was a huge encouragement to me. And I, I don't know, I don't want to call it like a sign or anything like that, but it did, it did mean a lot to me that there was some familiarity that I had with someone already. And so mm-hmm. we met and decided to become roommates from there. And graduate school was filled with doubt and uncertainty. It's a two-year. So this school had a two-year program, and then you have an internship your second year. And your internship, you spend at a mental health facility of some kind, uh, mm-hmm. your, your skills. And I... I, I just, I think that those two years were very paradigm shifting for me. I, I didn't understand how deep the matters of the heart were. There's, so there's a scripture that says like the, the matters of a man's heart are very, very deep, but a man of understanding can draw them out. And I just didn't understand how many layers there are to people and to myself. And so it was a process of kind of learning more about yourself and other people and seeing how to serve other people through just being present with them and mm-hmm. I am a huge busybody and I like to do lots of things and this program really caused me to sort of pause and reflect on a lot of different things which 
was very challenging for me. I had, like, I think my first year I had panic attacks just because I didn't know. I was just very fearful. I was fearful of things that I wasn't, that I didn't know. And this felt like a very, very new territory to me of learning how how deep people are and I think Mm -hmm. and what I mean by that is just that when we're talking with a person we just don't know everything that they're carrying we don't know everything that they're burdened with and you know as Christians I think that we we have a responsibility to love others as Jesus loved and I think throughout those two years I was just I was drawn to how much Jesus wept for people and how he spent time to get away to sort of be with the father and then give himself again. And so like this, this process of like giving and being restored over and over again by, by his father. And I think by, by the time the the program was over and I really took some time to reflect on what it means to, like I said, what it means to love people well, I think all of the presuppositions that I held before about, about people and what makes them them was completely shattered. I think it just, I'll just say this thing, like in American culture, there are certain things that categorize us as Americans. We tend to be very driven, very motivated. We're very success oriented. We are, we like things very fast paced. We are a cold, there's like hot and cold cultures. We tend to be a colder culture where like time is more important than maybe relationship and so I think like learning those and I guess that's that comes too from like intercultural studies too but I think learning about how people have different perspectives and how their experiences have shaped them and how they I don't know just how they continue to live life through that has it was just it was a very I don't know I just I think I honored people in a different way and I respected the journeys that they were on and the and actually it's kind of it's kind of once I started my practicum I recognized that that people people begin to open up to you in different ways and you really I keep saying the word honor but I don't I just feel like that doesn't truly cover it Mm -hmm. you just really respect the space of them sharing kind of the deep things that are going on with them and you develop a sense of compassion and you learn to suffer with people. And whenever you suffer with people, that can be a very painful process. So the process of learning how yeah. to be with people. And I don't know, I, by the, by the time I graduated, I just, I felt like I, I looked over my, my life and I saw how the Lord kind of was, was moving like in all of these different things and all of these different things I had done. Like one thing that comes to mind is like, you know, uh, I didn't, I didn't share this earlier, but like, in fourth grade, I think I was, I was, my teacher put me in peer mediation because I was like being picked on by some other kids. And so she wanted me to sort of have this, like this thing that would, you know, give me some authority on the playground, you know, when, <laughs> were, when things were going down, like at the swings, like I could help, like, you know, and so I like, I think about that and like peer mediation is something that continued like all through like high school even. And I just sort of I don't know. I, I didn't really consider, I, I'd never thought I would use that ever, to be honest with you. And so by the, by the end of graduate school, I was really like reflecting back and thinking about like how the Lord was like teaching, teaching me to like, to be like, like him. And 
um, to suffer with people and suffer for people. And, you know, as, as he did on the Christ for, on the cross for us. And uh, I really like how you shared um, a little bit earlier, like of the, uh, not necessarily the cross example, but when you said he, Jesus was like in ministry, but then he also took needed time to be away and to like reflect and refresh because he was like helping everyone with their problems and like the same kind of parallel I can definitely see with like you and counseling of what you're saying hearing everyone in their most vulnerable times Mm -hmm. like taking that but at the same time you've got to you know be professional in your context but at the same time you're still carrying that in some way is would you agree with that sure yeah yes absolutely you do you do carry you do carry that and like you said, it is it is different in a professional setting, and I do think I, in some ways you learn to see people in different ways, even in a personal setting too. But you do need time to refresh and recharge, and I think that's true in other fields too. Like we always need time for that, which isn't easy to do. Totally. So after you finished grad school, what was your next step? So the counseling process looks like you you get your master's degree and you do your internship, and then you have to work towards licensure. And mm-hmm. I did not know this at the time. I just thought that you get your master's degree and you just start working. And so I was kind of like, what? <laughs> I have to spend three or four more years working towards licensure. <laughs> and at this time, I felt like I was already committed. So might as well. Yeah, you're in it. <laughs> so I, you do uh, a an entrance exam you have to take a, a licensing exam and you work towards your hours I still miss being away from home so I I moved uh, to Texas and I and I pursued licensure and that couldn't that consisted of finding a an internship site and which is extraordinarily challenging because you you still you get paid an experience for I love that phrase paid and experience yes you so you so at that time I actually moved back in with my parents which was not the plan at all I wanted and how old were you at the time I was 24 I was 24 so So moving back with mom and dad six years later yes exactly so so that was not that was not the plan. My parents have been ever so gracious about it, and they're like, "Angela, you're only 24. Like you don't even you don't even realize." But for me, it was the, for me it was really important, and to sort of you know prove my independence and all that jazz. And yeah. so I started my internship process, and I found a Christian non- nonprofit therapy organization that offered therapy kind of like on a sliding scale but also helped to train clinicians really well and the way that that happened was by being video recorded like during the sessions and so you it was a time of really opening yourself up to criticism and critique and you were encouraged to fail over and over and over again and make a lot of mistakes and I made a lot of mistakes and I think I learned the value of mistakes and why mistakes are important to the growth process. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, I honed in on like more of a specialty. So I really enjoy working with 
children and adolescents and their families and working together with the family to help um, help them like to provide for kind of what they need. And uh, that took three. So I did that for three years and excuse me. So three years brings us to, let's see, I think two 27, years 28. Were you yep. 27, 28? Yep. 27, 28. Yes. So, and also at that time, I, uh, once I moved back to Houston, I got involved in a, in a local church, of course, and uh, started working in missions uh, more proactively than I had before. Being an, being an intern provided a lot of free time. And so you have your time when you're doing your internship, but then you also have a lot more time. And so at that time, I really poured into missions and in my in my church and seeing how how to sort of continue that I guess latent what had become a latent fashion and um yeah so um I worked with um, my missions pastor pretty closely on learning how to like set up missions trips and how to encourage missionaries who had experienced burnout and so mm-hmm. I felt like um I felt like I was, I, I don't know, I felt like I was still, I was kind of being able to use different, different skills at that time. And I finished my internship and that was 27, 28. And I, I still, I still am at the, the practice where I interned. They sort of have expanded since then to sort of allow for more fully licensed therapists. At that time, I was only provisionally licensed and so I spend a lot of time working with families and I also work in a school and the school is for, uh, the school is for kids that are extraordinarily gifted. So these are extremely bright kids who are often feeling like defeated and kind of lost because, you know, even though they're extraordinarily smart, they often feel like they can't, like if they're not the best or if they're not in the the highest 10% that they often feel like depressed and even like suicidal and they don't have, they often have like very low self-worth. And so I don't, I feel like it's kind of one of the best jobs I've ever had because I, I don't know, I kind of see how like a lot of my experiences the Lord has helped, helped shape me so that I can like come along these, these kids and encourage them. So let me just clarify really quick. So 24, you finished grad school, then you had three or so years of kind of like the intern process um, to get all of your hours that you needed before you could be fully licensed. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. So how many hours did you need total? 3000. 3000. That's a lot of hours. Yes. And so, and half of those have to be face-to-face and half of those face-to-face hours had to be with couples or families. So working with couples or families. And so, and I was doing it part-time as an intern. I didn't do it full-time. To be honest with you, I was kind of burnt out after graduate school and I needed to slow things down. And so I, I went, I did the 3000 hours like more part-time. So I had some space to just sort of relax. <laughs> so then after you got those 3,000 hours, um, did you, were you able to just apply like, okay, check, I got the, got the hours or did you have to take like another kind of test to get your license or how does that system work? Sure. So all of your hours have to be tracked by your supervisor. So you need so many hours of supervision and you need mm-hmm. 
to be like logging all of your hours and you submit those to the board and the board reviews kind of your application, make sure that you have gotten that the types of hours that you needed and you've completed all of your uh, continuing education credits credits and you yeah you've you've finished your continuing education credits and they it takes around six to eight weeks and you they send you a letter to say that you can sit for the licensing exam and so the licensing exam it's it varies from state to state depending on so there's depending on when you take the exam. So Mm -hmm. in Illinois, I think I remember you right after you graduate from uh, school, graduate school, you take the exam and you get your hours after you take the exam. In Texas, you take the exam after your 3000 hours, which can be a little bit of a challenge because at that study back up. Yes, exactly. I've been out of graduate school for three years and I did not remember everything that I had learned in graduate school at the same time I yeah I appreciate anyway I appreciated it because it was so fresh in my mind when I was practicing as a fully licensed clinician so it it turned out fine so yeah so after you you and then after you take the exam they mail you the results although now I think it's I think it's a little bit more modernized and they show you your score right there and you submit everything again with your your score you have to submit kind of your your information from your supervisor where you've where you've worked as a practicum student that's the internship that you did in grad school and then the um internship that you did after graduate school like all of that information again and Mm -hmm. then they issued the license awesome so now you're fully licensed yes do they give you like a little card like you could just whip it out from your wallet like a badge or something I wish. I, well, that's not true. They do. They do send you a little card that you're supposed to keep with you at all times, and they send you like a little certificate. It would be. I I remember thinking it was kind of anticlimactic for all the work that you put in. They send you like this plain white envelope that says "Congratulations." That's not even in bold letters or something. It's like <laughs> you did it. You know, it's not like you, you need you some it. colorful paper, some fun <laughs> fonts, like. Yeah. Celebrate. But anyway, so word to the wise out there, you guys. When you work hard and you do something, celebrate your accomplishments. And I think when I got that letter in the mail, I think I went to go get pie from this place called House of Pies, which is just <laughs> this amazing. Audrey knows the significance of this. My sophomore year, I was like obsessed with like making pies and stuff. So she was. She was. So yes. So awesome. So you you became fully licensed and now you said you stayed on at the um, uh, practice uh, where you did your hours and you're also at a school as well. Yes, that's correct. So I am working on building a practice and which is a totally scary thing to, to think about doing as a, like as a single person for one thing. So uh, you you kind of, it takes time to, to build the practice. So I do that in the evening. That's kind of like my, um, my most recent pa- endeavor, passionate endeavor, I guess I could say. Yeah. And uh, the school, the school was originally to sort of help supplement income. But in the process of it, I've, I've really loved, loved working with kids. So uh, I spend most of the days from like, seven to about three thirty or four in the schools doing counseling there and then mm-hmm. uh twice a week 
on Wednesdays and Fridays in the evenings, I see uh, clients at the private practice. Wow, that's a full week. I like to do lots of things, as this story probably has indicated already. I love yes. to, I love to, I, lo- I, I, just, I love to do lots of different things. That's awesome. All right, I want to take a moment and kind of pivot a little bit um, and just kind of ask you about um, if there, because when I hear about like counseling and psychology, I know that sometimes like uh, there's like myths or faux pas that can come to mind. I was wondering if you had any that you've heard of in your, um, your journey and your time in pursuing this passion that you've heard about that you could kind of debunk for us. I think one that is still very, a myth that's still very popular is that talk therapy in general or talking to someone won't help. And Mm -hmm. I've seen this come up in just the stigma of mental health is that, you know, if you have a mental health problem that you shouldn't, you should just ignore it. You should just wait till it goes away, wait till it changes or that or that you have to be in like a huge crisis in order to go to counseling and so sometimes I'll I'll say that going to counseling is kind of having a different perspective and it helps to have somebody to listen to you truly and authentically and really try to see you in a safe mm-hmm. non-judgmental way and so that's that's part of it, like a lot dealing with the the stigma of it. And I think I usually say something like mental health care is kind of like going to the doctor for for our brains sometimes. Like our brains get tired, our brains are a muscle, so they get we get we get tired, we get we, we just get exhausted sometimes and you it helps to um, in the same way that you go to a doctor if you like break your break your leg or something, or you need a checkup for something, you can go see a counselor for that. For um, things that are going on, maybe um, maybe it's, maybe it's a behavior that you don't like. Maybe it's you've been feeling sort of down and you don't know how to get it out. Maybe you've been feeling alone and you don't know who to talk to about that, or um, or maybe just want another perspective. So I think counseling is can be very very helpful way before a crisis point because it can sort of show you patterns that maybe be may be unhelpful or maybe contributing to an issue that's already going on and uh, most of all I think that it just it just helps to have another person really listen and try to understand your perspective I really like how you use the kind of like the analogy of your of your brain kind of hurting and like needing some help in the same way if something else was wrong with you or like physically hurting on you, you would go talk to somebody and get an opinion on it and seek out help for that. Exactly. Yeah. So if you, if you, if there's a someone listening who heard your story and was like, Oh, I can kind of relate to her story. I kind of see these same, same kind of like passions or interests in my own life. And they, they're thinking, okay, like, what's the next step? Like, I'm hearing about this, I'm interested, but what's the next step? What advice would you give to someone who seems like they're interested? So just interested in counseling in general? Yeah, interested, interested in learning more about what that would look like for them, like pursuing counseling. Pursuing counseling? Mm -hmm. 
uh, to be to be like you a counselor okay, okay. <laughs> okay. so uh, I think I some skills that I think are helpful are just you find that you are a good listener and you're patient with others and yourself you I think it helps if you have a strong a strong desire to help other people and sort of be if you're someone who naturally bears the burdens of other people and Mm -hmm. you kind of feel what other people feel like you're very you're naturally very empathetic and compassionate and so I think those are those are like some some personality traits that I think are common in counselors and I think some what I would I think what I would recommend most is to sit down and to talk with a counselor like Mm -hmm. even if it's just to shadow them to talk about like what their day is like to talk about the the things that are most difficult the things that they find most rewarding from it because let me tell you I think that is the most rewarding thing ever I think I think loving people is the most rewarding thing ever but the fact that I get to do that as a career it's just an added bonus so you you should sit down and really take some time and talk with a counselor the the steps of becoming a counselor are really kind of a breeze I think the hardest <laughs> part is <laughs> I don't know, I think they're a breeze I just I just think that the the kind of the sort of like emotional development that you go through is the most kind of the most challenging part and I think that if you have if you truly love people and you really love helping them that you you will go through whatever you need to in order to do it so you can awesome (laughs) I like that advice you said about seeking somebody out to kind of talk to them and kind of like hash that idea out like with a counselor um just to kind of get their get their advice and learn more I think that's really good So I have uh, one more question for you, and this is a question that we ask um, everybody on the podcast um, uh, as we close, and that is, what is fueling you? What is fueling your passion? So this could be anything like super like simple or maybe something like super deep, anything from like a coffee drink or maybe a new book you're reading, a new part of town, a new crossword puzzle. um, (laughs) Uh, what's what's feeling you today? I, what fuels me? I, what fuels me today is what fuels me every day, and that's just like my relationship with Christ. I can't have a true, authentic relationship with other people from from me. In order to like, and don't get me wrong, I'm not like this extremely like I don't as much as I wish. Like I don't get up and like read my Bible every day, and I don't. Although I wish I I could, but there are definitely times that I don't. But like my um, my love for the Lord and the fact that he, um, loves, loves us so much like that. That's how, and that I can like leave my burdens at his feet. Like that's kind of, I guess that's like my, the precursor to my passion. So that, and also I will say, I think Frasier, the TV show, so, <laughs> I love this show because it is about two psychiatrists who like, who are just hilarious. It's a 19, I don't know, 1980s, 19, early 90s, like sitcom that, that covers two psychiatrists who are brothers who do life together. And it talks about how they, they're, they're, they just do, do life together and they make tons of mistakes in their personal lives and 
try to get it all together like for their professional lives and most of the time they get it wrong and I just love it because that that's so like us sometimes like we no matter how much we try to do something sometimes we just fall on our face over and over and over again but that's that's part of being being human and it just and yeah it's a fun way to end the day with crossword puzzles laughter and yeah Ranger. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and about your passion with us today, Angela. Thank you, Audrey. Friends, I have loved our conversation with Angela. It was incredible to hear Angela's story of how through her passions for loving and listening to people, leading her to a career of becoming a counselor in the mental health field. One of my favorite takeaways from Angela's story was that through her passions for people and missions, this led her to choose her first college major of missionary aviation. But through doing some reflection, seeking counsel from a mentor, and learning more through her college class classes, Angela was able to discover a better career path that would be more suited towards her passions. I hope you are all encouraged today through Angela's story and passions. My prayer is that you would consider what God has for you and what he might be leading you to. This week's episode was edited by yours truly, and you all can see the show notes for our music credits.